You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, and thank you for joining me for The Scoop with Tanya Flanagan. I'm so happy you decided to wake up and start your day with me. Here on The Scoop, where we talk about life, joy, funny moments, trending topics, and so much more. We promise to keep you in the know and find out what you know. So, let's get started. Good morning, and welcome to another Sunday here on KUNV, 91.5 Jazz and More. It is the beginning of December. Actually, it's December 3rd. So I'm going to wish my mother, Loretta, may she rest in peace, a heavenly happy birthday. Thank you all for tuning in. This morning, we are going to be talking with NAACP President Quentin Savoir. I am so excited to have Quentin here to share with us all that he knows about the NAACP, its focus direction, where it's going and what it's doing. So without further ado, good morning, Quentin. Good morning, Tanya. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate you getting up. I hope you have a nice cup of coffee and um, you've settled in um, and you're cozy and you're ready to, to dig in and share some knowledge and information with the community. All of that. All of that. Awesome. First of all, I think it's almost time for the one year anniversary of your um, newly elected presidency to the NAACP. So I want to congratulate you on closing in on one year. Oh, thank you so much. It has definitely been a full year. I assumed office January 1st of this year, 2023, and going into December, I've just been in this state of reflection and thinking about what I've learned and thinking about what we can be doing uh, differently next year. Because next year is a really big year for our branch. Not is it just an election year, but the 115th convening of the, of the National Association will be in Las Vegas for their conference in July. So I want to make sure we put on a good show for them. Oh, wow. That's exciting. That is really exciting. I want to dig into that in a bit. But before we do, some people may know you and others may not. So introduce yourself a little bit more detailed on your background and how you came to want to head up the NAACP, which is really a heavy lift when you think about the social justice, civil rights, equality work that an NAACP focuses on. So Mm -hmm. who are you and how did you, you know, what's your background? Introduce yourself sure. to listeners. I'm Quentin Savoie. I am a native of Kansas City, Missouri, home of the world's best barbecue. I have been in Las Vegas. I've made Las Vegas home. It's, I can't believe it's been six years. It's been six years. I got here on December 30th, 2017, and got my first taste of um, Las Vegas political life in the 2018 election season. I was raised by my mom, my single mom with all sisters. So a lot of my affinity for black women and witnessing the strength of black women comes from watching my mom and my sisters like carry the whole world on their shoulders. Uh, My dad was a labor leader. He was a teamster. And that saying about how you really do become your parents, it's really (laughs) true. I didn't I didn't intend to become my father. (laughs) It's, It's kind of it's kind of became this thing of me fighting for and advocating for the same things that my dad fought for and advocated for as a teamster. Um, I went to college at Rockhurst University. I got a degree in political science and and, uh, communication, but it wasn't even college that got me interested in community work. It was really my dad, watching my dad be active in his union and talk about the role that 
working families should have in shaping policy and the role that both of my parents had in helping community. My mom was a school administrator, and I remember I would leave school, go to my mom's job, wait for her to get off, she'd drive us home. But it was never just us going home. She would have to drop off some other kids because some other parents wouldn't be able to pick up their kids in enough time. And, you know, if you end up being at the school too long after school, they call the folks on you, the people, Mm -hmm. the Department of Family Services. And then it's a whole other ball of wax that you're dealing with. So I remember vividly watching my mom, my dad, and even my stepmom be of nonstop service to our community. And that's really where I learned this, this life of being of service, this life of making sure that you leave people's lives better than you found it, this life of trying to be of assistance to measurably improve folks' lives. Um, when I got to Vegas, what did I first do? When I first got to Vegas, I worked a political campaign. Then I started working at Make It Work Nevada. And that is an organization that um, supports and uplifts black women and black families. So I was like, oh, this is exactly this is exactly what I'm made for. <laughs> <laughs> so you just kept walking kind of in your purpose, which is uh, a beautiful thing because we don't always get to walk in our purpose. And I didn't realize you and I had so many things in common. My dad is a laborer as well. So I watched him. Yeah, I'm a union. We're a union family. So I'm a union baby, I guess, if you will. And so a great deal of respect for um, the working family and the struggle and the need for that population, which is the so much of the bulk of, of our population as a whole anyway, to have a voice of representation. And so understanding the need for fair wages for skilled labor and opportunities that are fair across the board for skilled labor. And I think that even though we see our parents do work, there's a certain wiring in certain types of individuals or certain individuals where you're just fine tuned to engage in community service. And it's just something about who you are as a person that you're fine tuned and wired to give of self to work, to get into grassroots campaigns, to see situations and to try to work to see solutions and then to implement those solutions and to rally people to get on board for the same common cause to achieve a united goal. And there's something Mm -hmm. about the nature of people who are wired that way. So I say thank you for your selflessness and forgiving. But now we've come full circle and you're (laughs) heading up. You're welcome. I, you know, I was a commissioner weekly for a former Clark County commissioner. Lawrence weekly could often be heard saying it. Other people have said this too, but to give folks their flowers while they're alive. So mm-hmm. I'm giving you some roses t- this morning while you are alive. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So walking into the space of the NAACP, which is one of the oldest civil rights organizations, and it's huge that they're coming here in July, it's a heavy lift. So why the, um, how, is, uh, is it okay if a woman asks a man how old he is? <laughs> yes, I think that's okay. I mean, because you know, we, we have the reverse, <laughs> um, don't do it. Don't ask me how old I am. Uh, I won't do it. Don't, I told you I grew up with a mama and all sisters, so I know the rules. You know better, so you know the rules are completely reversed, so don't you dare ask. But yes, at your age, yes. you're I'm, young. I'm 37. I'm 37 years old. And I think you may be one of the youngest NAACP presidents. I am one of the youngest. Now, I was corrected by one of our community members, the youngest branch president that was elected was Reverend Dr. Marion Bennett, Judge Bennett's 
father. Mm-hmm. He was 28 when he was elected president of the Las Vegas NAACP. He served three terms. So I had been telling folks, I'm the youngest, I'm the youngest. And she pulled my coattail. And I, I said, don't ever be afraid to pull my coattail because I do not want to be out here spreading lies and misinformation. So I am one of the youngest, but okay. uh, Reverend Bennett was the youngest who was elected and served three terms to this branch. So you guys focus on social justice, civil rights, um, equality, things of that nature. What is the local branch doing differently um, under your leadership than what was done in the past? Or how are mm-hmm. you That's taking really it to question. the next level? Yeah. Well, in my day in my day job, most people don't know the NAACP, like everything is a volunteer work. That's not just that's not just being president, that's vice president, that's secretary, that's the work of making the branch be available to community. Those are all volunteer positions. So in my day job, I work in a political space. I work at Run for Something, and I'm the political director there, shaping national strategy around what it takes to get young people to run for office. And so much of that work is getting people to understand the moment that we're in, the mm-hmm. threats our democracy faces. And that's really why I decided to run for NAACP president. And that's the lens through which that I have approached my administration, getting people galvanized to meet this moment. We are facing a moment that is unlike anything I've ever seen. However, it's not altogether new. Our foremothers and our forefathers have fought off these very same threats and attacks in the civil rights era and in eras prior to that. So what gives me hope is knowing that there's a blueprint for how we overcome a lot of this. We just have to get buy-in and believe in one another enough to drive toward the collective goal. So what are we doing differently? I wouldn't say that we're doing a whole lot. Well, that's not true. I would say we're doing a whole lot differently because when I first got here and I've been a member of this branch since I got to Las Vegas, I didn't see the work being done in a way that would help beget mobilization, that would help beget unity amongst our community, that would help create excitement, not about the work, but about the branch and the opportunity to do the branch. There's all kinds of ways that you can do the work of protecting and advancing civil rights. But the way that I learned from my parents, I didn't see that happening. I didn't see us having one-on-one conversations. I didn't see us being standing up when we saw transgressions from our law enforcement officials happening. I didn't see us doing full-scale Know Your Rights campaigns. I didn't see us doing anything to help build the bench of who our next generation leaders are. And that's some of the things that we're working on doing. I have tons of goals for this branch. One of the things I'm most excited about is the work that we've done uh, in collaboration with Black Joy Consulting, in collaboration with Emerge, in collaboration with the State Democratic Party to train people how to run for office. In my day job, I talk to folks about running for office and they're like, well, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a lawyer. And I'm like, you know, you don't have to be a doctor or a lawyer to run for office. You just have to care. You just have to care. And I think that's where we have a real void in our community is care in one another, because that care begets investment in each other. And when you're invested in someone, then you you go out of your way to make sure that they're okay. And I want us to be invested in one another so that as a branch, we're going out of our way to take care of each other. Our solution, the solutions to our the biggest problems in our community, they don't have to be wrapped up in who gets elected to the legislature. That's part of it. But a lot of the problems we have, we can fix if we just talk to each other. And we figure out how we build power amongst one another. So I'm hoping to be the catalyst towards that end by finding people who are excited, not about me being president, but about the opportunity to be a part of something meaningful that can create lasting change. 
I think that's what we're doing differently uh, under my presidency. Okay, so if I'm hearing, I think I'm hearing a little bit of um, returning the work to a really super grassroots level that engages Mm -hmm. citizens in a participation practice so that it is very hands-on, almost like a community garden, but of a sort of metaphoric type where it's about impacting activism for getting people out to vote, cleaning up Mm -hmm. your community, um, being engaged in development projects, having a voice in every aspect of what affects your day-to-day life, but just as a regular everyday citizen, getting people to understand that they have this voice and the NAACP is here as an organization to help organize any thoughts, efforts, and ideas and intentions into a powerful outcome or an outcome of purpose and impact. Absolutely. Very, very much that. All impact. I tell folks all the time, I don't want to do it if it's not impactful. I'm not, mm-hmm. I didn't run for this office so that I could be on the news. Those opportunities are nice. Opportunities to do things like this are nice. I'm more interested in scaling impact of people who are already doing really incredible work. I'm more interested in filling gaps of people who are already doing really incredible work. My name doesn't need to be in the lights. I would just want our community to know that the NAACP had a hand in, for example, the Black Mama bailout or this back to school drive or this turkey giveaway. Because when I talk to my peers and people younger than me, they don't know what the NAACP is or what it does or why it's important. And to me, as a student of history, that is just so, we really dropped the ball there. (laughs) Two of the founders of the NAACP were Ida B. Wells and W.E.B. Du Bois. And when I'm having a bad day, I always tell myself, it's like, Quentin, Ida B. Wells would be proud of you. That's how I keep myself going. Because if Ida B. Wells could endure the things that she endured to still be of service to our people, then there's no way. There's no way that I can. That we can't endure. Yeah. I remember watching um, kind of similar in that same vein, watching um, the movie that Ava DuVernay did. Um, Oh, my God. I'm drawing a blank on the name, but, you know, the the, Selma. And and as I'm watching Selma in the theater, it was like one of those periods for a quick second that I felt tired. But as I'm watching this movie and the events of history unfold on the big screen, I'm looking at the struggles and it just Mm -hmm. made me ask myself, what? You think you're what? Tired? How Mm -hmm. dare you be tired in the face of looking at everything that they went through? We don't even have the privilege in this day and age, really, of being tired. You should always be motivated. Some people who've come before us have gone through so much. But in, in the space of what you said about people not knowing what the NAACP does, um, I'd like to make it really personal and say and get into specific things that you work on. I, mean, I know you guys do some things with housing, voting rights, things like that. But I want to you know, just make sure we touch on it a little bit so that the abstract becomes very tangible, that you're, you affect housing, you affect um, scholarships, economic development from the angle of jobs or equal pay or business development. So while I'm throwing out topics, what are some of the programs or projects and committees you guys have going within the local branch that people can get involved with? Mm-hmm. Specific, That's a great um, question. Campaigns. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Yeah. You, should visit Las, you should visit NAACPLasVegas.org to learn about our committees. We have 21 standing committees in this branch. Yes, 
21. Wow. <laughs> some of them could probably be like condensed. <laughs> I, I want to like combine some of them. But we have everything from housing to our Freedom Fund, which is a fundraising committee, to criminal justice, to WIN, which is women in the NAACP. There is something for everyone. There's environmental justice. What I'm most proud of, well, most proud, I'm most proud of all of it because everybody's really just like taking up the mantle of the thing that they do well. And I always say consistency begets the right following, right? You don't have to plan an event and hope 100 people show up. But if you have that event and it's the same time each month and you have three people show up and that three becomes six and that six become 12, now you have made a following because your consistency has built a habit. So one of the things I'm proud of is um, Black People Hike Las Vegas. That was an organization that a mentee of mine started. And now he's doing hikes in collaboration with the NAACP where our branch members are able to go out and explore nature be at peace with nature, use it as a self-care. We're collaborating with other Black outdoorsmen and outdoors women to learn about our public lands and to use that opportunity to talk about climate change and to talk about how we can be adapting to climate change because there's nothing we're going to be able to do to stop what's happening, but mm-hmm. there is a lot we can do to be sharing information amongst one another about how we adapt to what is happening in our world. That's one program that we have that's running Uh, The women in the NAACP, chaired by my first vice president, Aisha Goins, is up and running. I think Wynn has like 45, 50 members. The ladies come together and they have put together plans around socks and underwear drives. They put together plans around filling boards and commissions. I don't know if folks know, but that is a real opportunity in this state and at the local level. If you're looking to get involved without putting your name on the ballot, a lot of decisions get made on appointed boards and commissions at the city, county, and state level. And I know at the state level, there's consistently a great deal of vacancies. We need our people filling those vacancies because the decisions that get made in those places, on those boards, inevitably end up being city or county ordinances or end up being state laws in some capacity or another. So I really appreciate when having a focus on leadership development by way of service through these boards. That's so smart. Uh, and I really just think it's a great opportunity within that particular committee to be building the next generation of leadership, right? Because I tell folks all the time, I don't want to be president for forever. I would love to do this until my heart's desire or until the people decide that they don't want me no more. And then we know who an- who another successor is, that it's not this like default situation. That is the culture of the NAACP, that there is an unwillingness to step up and do free work. But I want to change that culture, and I'm hoping to change that culture through these committees. The Criminal Justice Committee, I'm really excited about. Uh, I have a young person who's chairing that committee. They are going to be working closely in collaboration with the Mass Liberation Project and the work that they do. One project specifically that's come up is the work to help free Ricky Slaughter. Ricky Slaughter is a young man who was wrongfully convicted at the age of 19 and has been in jail for close to 20 years. There have been all kinds of misgivings and transgressions that have transpired in his case. And we are trying to create enough community awareness so that we can have the case reopened and hopefully have him released from prison very, very soon. So when you do Um, cases like mm -hmm. that, is there because the NAACP is a local branch of a national organization. Is there ever any collaboration um, from the national office to assist with what branches are doing? How connected is that relationship of the food chain? That's a great question. We are working on that relationship. I don't know what happened before I was here. Uh, I've heard stories. I don't know what, what, what the what is, but we are working on 
creating more open lines of communication between the national. Since the convention is coming here this summer, it's been a little easier to get in touch with folks. But if you're asking me, like, do I have a direct line to someone at the NAACP Legal Defense Fund? I don't. I was kind of asking you that, but I was also asking just in general so that listeners understand the structure, because a lot of nonprofits, urban leagues work the same way to a degree Mm -hmm. where there's the national umbrella, if you will, and then there are the branches underneath it. So there's the NAACP at its highest level, and then there's branches across the country. And I know there's the connected component to some degree with the finances. Um, All urban leagues fall under uh, urban leagues' nonprofit arm, technically, even though they also have established nonprofit status in the state where they're operating, they're still a connected mm-hmm. tissue. So, I'm, you know, it's the same thing with the NAACP. But when you have that um, line of connectivity and communication, how far does the reach go and how much support um, comes into focus so that when it is an issue that, while local, is a national reach because there are so many cases of people wrongfully convicted. I think mm-hmm. I saw a coverage of one just the other day on CBS Mornings where they were doing a case trying to lobby it to go back before the judge to free someone wrongfully convicted, even with evidence introduced that at the time of the case was not um, allowed to be presented, affecting the outcome, having the person put in jail and now they're trying to reintroduce it. So these cases are prominent across the country in many communities. Right. So I'm wondering, right. like, when NAACP is, is an organization that you think of to work on criminal justice reform, how organized is it from the top down so that people understand? We're on our own or we're not on our own? Yeah, we are not on our own, but I don't know. I'm not sure exactly where the national resources are to help us amplify when serious transgressions happen. I met with the National General Council a couple weeks ago. Uh, some folks came to town because the convention's coming, and they were very intrigued by the work that we had done regarding an incident that happened in February earlier this year. Um, if you recall, listeners recall, earlier in February of this year, some students at Durango High School were violently accosted by CCSD police, and we have not stopped ringing the alarm, and we haven't forgot that this happened to our young people either. What we've asked is for body cam footage to be released so that we would know why this happened. But the superintendent has denied that request and has said that no changes would be made to policy. When I provided an overview of that circumstance to the National General Council, I was advised to make sure that they know when we engage in those type of activities so that we could potentially get some assistance to nationalize it. But I imagine at the national office, you have those types of instances happening countless times throughout a week, countless times throughout a month. So I don't know what their process is as far as deciding what's going to get attention or what they give attention to. So I made it a point to just focus locally. We haven't forgot what happened to the Durango students. We will continue to hold uh, the leadership accountable and making sure we get justice for our young people. But I don't really know where the national fits in when it comes to being able to say, hey, that terrible thing happened. We're going to bring the full force of the NAACP in to help with this thing. Understood. Do you do you been, see yourself do you see yourself aiming higher because there is the local level work and then there's taking that work and reaching regional levels and reaching national levels as you're doing this is there ever a thought in your mind to reach further in terms of your service by ascending to NAACP or any other 
social justice, civic justice fight based. I'm running for emperor of of planet Earth. That's what I'm going to run for. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I do have a pretty ambitious goal related to the NAACP that kind of answers your question. Um, Nevada is part of a tri-state conference. We are in a state conference with Utah and with Idaho. Reason being is because the population of members in Nevada doesn't constitute enough for us to be our own state conference. In an ideal world, we'd have our own state conference like Florida, Texas, New York, Missouri, Kentucky. Those states have a single state conference president, and that president is responsible for the branches throughout that state. We share a state conference president with the states of Idaho and Utah. And while civil rights and the issues that people of color and black people face largely are the same, being in our tri-state conference, I think, is a little... I won't say out of place, but the issues we have here in Nevada are different than the issues that I've heard my contemporaries in Idaho and Utah have. So my goal as president of this branch would be to help lead an initiative that could help us establish four new branches in Nevada that would allow us to have our own state conference. And that would that's going to be a lot of work, but that would beget some stronger political power for this branch and all the branches throughout Nevada for us to be able to break off from our existing tri-state conference and become a single state conference. My goal in getting that accomplished, God willing, is 2028. That's when our specific branch in Las Vegas turns 100 years old. So I've got, what, four years to make it happen? Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll figure it out. That's a, it's, it's a, that's a great goal. I mean, it's really interesting. We're coming into the final um, phase of time this morning for the show. So I want to make sure while we still have enough time, you share with people how they can get involved, get more information, get on a mailing list or anything like that, contact and come out to a meeting or uh, yes, an event yes, you yes. might be having. So how can one, how can the community find you for those who don't already know or want to learn more and get involved? Social handles, Absolutely. the whole nine. The whole nine. So our final meeting of the year is going to be on Saturday, December 16th. Our meetings are always on the third Saturday of the month. They are always at the Pearson Center. They are always at 1230. So if you haven't been able to join us, please join us because this next meeting is going to be a year in review reflection to just talk about all the things and all the great work that we've done this year. You can visit our website at NAACPLasVegas.org. On our website, you can donate because we are a nonprofit. We do need your help to keep our mission fueled and moving forward. You can sign up to be on a committee on our website, and you can see upcoming events from our website. So I welcome you to join the December meeting. I would also encourage you to get involved now because the national convention is coming in July, and it will be all hands on deck. The national team that comes in to plan the convention says we need 250 to 300 Las Vegans at the conference every single day. That's by way of volunteers, by way of just participants, by way of observers, by way of helping people just get around the property and help people navigate off the property. My plan is to create a host committee, which is already formed, where we can be encouraging folks that come to town for the conference to come into our communities, like where real Las Vegans live, and spend money at our bars, our cigar lounges, our restaurants, our um, all the things, right? Like 
when the convention comes here, it shouldn't just be a lucrative opportunity for the national organization. It should be a lucrative opportunity for the businesses that are in our own community, too. So if you have input, I don't have a trademark on all the good ideas. So if you've got input, please join us. Um, I'm very easy and accessible to get in touch with, probably too much because I have a lot of meetings. But I want to hear from my community because I'm the type of leader that leads in collaboration with people. I want the ideas of others to, to shape how we move forward collectively. Well, I think that is all great. And I'm excited for what's going on. Um, I've seen the conference here before in the past, and I know it, it's awesome. We are, of course, at the end of our show yet again, but it's been a morning of really great information about the NAACP. You mentioned the Pearson Center. For those who are not familiar, it's the Dr. William U. Pearson Community Center located at 1625 West Cary Avenue. So um, that is where the organization meets. Again, Quentin, thank you for coming on the show and spending some time talking with me and sharing with our listeners information about the NAACP locally, what it is doing, where it's going, and how they can engage. I want to offer everyone um, a great good morning and wish you the best week as we move into the first week of December and gear up for the holidays. So stay safe. Be careful while you're out shopping. Gear up to enjoy family. And I guess we'll be setting some New Year's resolutions soon. Yeah, yeah we will. <laughs> Meanwhile, take care, stay healthy, and I look forward to seeing you um, at another NAACP meeting in the near future. Sounds good. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you for coming on. I want to thank you for tuning in to The Scoop with me, Tanya Flanagan. And I want to invite you to get social with me. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. My name is my handle, T-A-N-Y-A-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N. You can also find me on Instagram at Tanya Almanize Flanagan. And if you have a thought, an opinion, or a suggestion, don't hesitate to shoot me an email to tanya.flanagan at unlv.edu. Thanks again for joining in. Stay safe and have a great week.